Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live their way. This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 232. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey, kids. Have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way-out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. Fifty-two pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner at gmail.com That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. I plan to go on Charles F. Rosene's Magical History Tour in 2024. And here is Charles to talk about it. Hey, hey, this is Charles Rosene, sometime guest here on the Fun Ideas podcast. Have you ever thought of taking a Beatles tour to Liverpool? Well, I host and organize the Magical History Tour every summer, www.liverpooltours.com. But I'm here to tell you about two other things. My books. Yes, Mark isn't the only author. I've recently published the book of Top Ten Beatles Lists, where 64 celebrities gave their top ten favorite Beatles-themed lists with reasons why. And... 
photos and all kind of fun stuff. Please check it out, www.bookoftop10beatleslists.com. It's the follow-up to www.bookoftop10horrorlists.com, where a hundred celebrities gave their favorite horror lists. Enjoy the upcoming show, and thank you for listening to my ad. In Fun Ideas Productions news, progress is being made on publishing my upcoming Turtles and Mad books. Hopefully they will be out by the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. My latest books that are published include my books on Pac-Man, the stars of Walt Disney Productions, the revised second edition of my Monkeys book with Michael A. Ventrella called Long Title, and the TTV Scrapbook. You can buy them all on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly from Bear Manor Media. If you'd like a signed book, contact me at funideas.mark at gmail.com or purchase your book through my listings on eBay. I'm still working on my TV cartoons at Time Forgot book, as well as articles about the Harvey Implosion and on Archie's Mr. Weatherby. On today's show, we have another Beatles author who has written a new book called Beatlemania Lives On, Superfans in the 21st Century. Here she is, Dana Klausner. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. And today I have yet another Beatles author, thanks to Charles F. Rosene, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. This is Dana Klausner, and she has written a book called Beatlemania, La- Beatlemania Lives On, Superfans in the 21st Century. So how are you today? Good, Mark. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing very well. So I guess the obvious question, you probably ask this if you've done other interviews, is what prompted you to write this book? There's so many books on the Beatles, so... Sure. Yeah, but there are no books on Beatles fans um, that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what happened was, you know, I was pretty much a Beatles fan in a bubble. I didn't know any other fans in my head. I knew there were millions of people, but I just didn't know any. And uh, the first time I went to Liverpool in about 2004, I got on the Magical Mystery Tour bus and the bus was full and there was people from all over the world speaking all different languages, but everybody knew the words to all the Beatles songs in the sing-along. And I thought there is definitely a story in that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, how how did you pick stories for this? Because there's a lot of stories. I went through this and I have like four pages of notes of just different people you've talked to. Some I know, some I don't. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. some are just fans. They're not famous or anything. Some are more famous than others. And we'll kind of go through a few of them. Yeah. So, you know, really a lot of it, 98% of it was um, word of mouth and people hooking me up with other people. Charles hooked me up with, um, you know, a lot of tribute bands and he hooked me up with all the folks in Liverpool, um, you know, this Tavern City Tours that mm-hmm. runs the Tavern Club. Bill Hackle is the uh, head honcho. And he hooked me up with Bill, who hooked me up with his um, protege and he hooked me up with international tribute bands. And it was just like that. It just kept rolling. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to thank Susan Ryan. She started everything. Um, oh, she was my first did. interview. Yeah, cool. she was my very first interview, and she runs um, a walking tour in New York. And uh, she hooked me up with the first few people, and really, really got everything started. Very cool. Now, uh, in asking a question based on what you just said before that, uh, you said you're on the Magical Mystery Tour uh, with all the people speaking different languages. Was that Charles? Charles tour or is that something separate okay that was um I didn't know anybody at that point and um 
you know, I just, you know, I just started, I knew I was going to Liverpool and I just started researching things to do in Liverpool. And um, so the Magical Mystery Tour Bus, as it turns out, is run by Bill Heckle of oh, Cavern okay. Tours, who Charles hooked me up with. But, you know, I was just a fan, you know, looking for interesting sites. And that's how I found that. Oh, okay. Because this coming year, and I'll have Charles as a guest in a, about a month or so. He's been on here many times, but um, <laughs> he, he's, I've known him as a publisher for probably 40 years. I've known him mm -hmm. as a friend probably for the last three years. Okay. So since we became friends, um, he's been kind of not really pressuring me. It's not like it's not pressure to come on his magical history tour, you know, and uh, going through the sites. I've never been to England at all. So I figured, well, here's yeah. a way to do this because yeah. he has it all planned out and organized and everything almost went this year but you know circumstances beyond my control <laughs> kind of kept it off but i've been saving money so i definitely know, recommend it i i kind of um <laughs> kind of um what do you call it uh hijacked his tour you know i i <laughs> at the last minute last year i decided i was going to go to beetle week and i just did everything on my own I don't know why I didn't think of Charles and um, I had no way of getting from London to Liverpool and a woman that's in my book said, Oh, you have to call Charles. He'll let you get on the bus. And he did. <laughs> she didn't know he was in my book and his bus stops at Friar park. Wow. I mean, who, yeah. <laughs> so, and then all, you know, in Liverpool, I kind of drifted in and out of his tour and it was amazing. And people are amazing. I'm still in touch with some of them and Charles is just so sweet and giving and wonderful and enthusiastic and knows everything and everybody. So I highly recommend it. Right. For those who don't know, Friar Park is where George Harrison lived for the last 30 years of his life. And I think Olivia still lives there. Yeah. And I think Don Danny still lives there too, or he might, mm -hmm. you know, so anyway, <laughs> did you meet them? Just saying. No. Okay. <laughs> no. And we're out there. Hi, no, that would have been my first, my first story. If I... <laughs> True. <laughs> so, um, what is your background uh, besides just being a Beatle fan? I mean, uh, what what prompted you to write? Have you aspired to be a writer or anything in your career? Yeah, I'm a longtime journalist. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So that's why the book is kind of set up the way it is. Um, so the book, well, I guess you saw it, is it's an anthology. And what I did was I would interview the people and then write it up as an essay because as a journalist, that's, that's what I know how to do. You know, basically right. write an article out of an interview. So that's what the book is set up as very cool and uh so for your journalistic background uh you've worked for local newspapers or different things where have you i've worked, worked for big newspapers i've worked for um the baltimore sun Pretty and big, okay. uh i freelanced for the washington post and i don't know if you've heard of newsday on long island and then i've had essays published in um the you know the uh the anthology series chicken soup for the soul yeah and then yeah, so I had essay published in that and then on some like bigger websites and stuff like that. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. I know it talks about a lot of this stuff in the book, but you know, it's like sometimes you have to repeat yeah. it. <laughs> I took my own horn, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll kind of go through this chapter by chapter. Um, like uh the first chapter kind of is like British British super fans, is that correct? If I'm no, or... No, it's not British. It's just uh, okay. super fans. Um, and those, a lot of those are the people that Susan put me together with. And then some of those 
I also, um, I owe a big thank you to, there's a tribute band on Long Island called the Liverpool Shuffle. Uh And uh, they were so kind because, believe it or not, I'm very shy and I have trouble with public (laughs) speaking. So they said I could come to their shows and say I was writing this book and I couldn't say it. I said, can you please say it? So they would announce (laughs) it. And then I would get their fans to talk to me individually. (laughs) Very cool. I guess what it is, the first chapter is more like the, probably the the hugest fans of everyone in the book it seems like if that's correct you know um, there, there's kind of a running theme in all these i'm trying to make sense of my little notes here <laughs> <laughs> or i can move to the second chapter because that one i do know the theme you know okay. <laughs> second chapter i know is uh people getting tattoos and autograph tattoos and things like that i never knew that, that was like such a thing i mean i know people have done it but i mean how did you get these people <laughs> for your story? I didn't know either. And, uh, you know, I said in the introduction, my son, when he was 19, went to a festival called Firefly in um, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And he told me somebody, you know, that was around his age, got on stage with Paul and got his autograph on her arm. And, you know, being an old mom, I said, that's going to rub off. And he said, no, mom, she got it inked. And um, I can't remember how I got the first story of somebody that did that. But then, you know, again, it was word of mouth and there's a secret uh, Facebook group. So, yeah. So everybody connected me to their friends who have the similar stories. And and the theme or the through line throughout all those stories is there you are on stage with Mm -hmm. Paul McCartney in front of tens of thousands of people. And you're not nervous because he's just so sweet and so humble and you're just having a conversation with him and he makes you comfortable right away. Right. Yeah. And... So as a fan who's, you know, I've never met him, you know, it's, and these people had the dream come true. And, you know, I just feel like, okay, one of these days I have to actually have a story of my own. So is that the way you have to meet Paul, I guess, is get a tattoo? Like, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. It's like, you know, I mean, I, I've seen Paul many times, but just way off in the distance. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. But, um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, the, the one that I found most amazing in that particular chapter is the story of Nina Galpern. I don't know if you remember which one's which, but that's the one she has the ugly foot and yeah. <laughs> and she wanted to get her foot tattooed. And there's like a photograph of or two in there. And one of them, she has her foot resting on Paul's thigh. And I was like, what (laughs) it's like and i've never seen this in any paul concert so i mean do these people just disrupt the the show or how do they do it no sometimes it's true do you know that he does a sound check oh yeah you can buy a special sound check ticket so sometimes he does it during the sound check which is before the show but i think nina um i think she was on during during the show so what they what they told me he does is when he says um you know, your signs are distracting me. That's when he's reading the signs mm-hmm. and picking the sign that he's interested in. And then he sends his security guard, Mark Riddle, out to get the person. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So she she was lucky enough. She she said she was in the same row or maybe behind the row of Nancy and um, maybe his children, and they all left. Mm-hmm. So then she was kind of noticeable because she was, she was by herself. Mm-hmm. And her and her sign said "trick or treat" on my feet because it was the day before Halloween. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that, in that chapter, that was the one that stuck out the most. I mean, people got their autographs on their shoulders, they got on their arms, you know. But this person, it wasn't just her foot; it was their ugly foot. So I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, 
it stuck out. <laughs> it's a great story. You know, I, yeah, yeah. I got chills listening to all their stories. Mm -hmm. Was it hard getting to people to open up about their various stories? No, people, no. Yeah, people so. love telling I didn't think stories. so, but I, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's like prying out. You know, people. and I'm such a fan that, you know, my yeah. excitement hearing their stories kind of, you know, cheers them on to tell me more. Yeah. And uh, before we go on through the book a little bit more, um, which Beatles have you met, even in, in concert? Uh, I haven't met any Beatles. Oh, I thought. Well, I thought you said you saw Paul in concert. Oh, I've seen. Well, I've yeah, seen that's what I meant. I said even yeah. in concert. I, yeah, yeah, I've seen Paul and Ringo several times in concert. You know, okay. sadly, I never saw George. He was my favorite, mm -hmm. and John. I was too young. You know. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was eighteen when he when he was murdered. Mm. <laughs> I I was planning to go when they when they casually announced in one of those interviews. He says, "Hey, let's take this on the road. That might be fun." And go, man! If he does an eighty-one tour, I'm there. And then it's like oh. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and then I almost did this. this. Is the Charles story too? This could be for your volume two. <laughs> no, this is a boring story because I didn't go. Um, I almost went to Japan to see George in what was 92 or 93 or something like that i forgot what year might have been 91 you know i'm tempted yeah. somebody somebody's selling a, a vip ticket to paul in australia so i'm kind of tempted but i don't think yeah. i'm gonna do it Maybe. yeah but in the in the case of the george one you know it's like i had seen paul i had seen ringo and i said hmm, maybe i should see george and for some reason i thought for sure george is going to tour the u.s after he does this and he never did. And it's like, ah. And uh, talking to Charles years later, oh, yeah, we did a special thing over there to to Japan. And, yeah, we did meet George. You know, and it's like, ah. <laughs> Have him tell you the story sometime. I should ask yeah. Charles about Australia. <laughs> he, he may He's know. going. Yeah. He may know. Uh, let's see. What do you got on the third chapter here? Uh you have some interesting people in your third chapter. It's like uh, you mentioned Bill Heckle of Cavern City. Um, Mark Featherstone is kind of an interesting one about the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Um, were all these encounters the same type of thing, just word of mouth through different people? Well, Mark Featherstone, like actually, it's Mark Featherstone Witty. It's hyphenated. Oh, Witty. Mark, yeah, I did have that. Mark right came up. Okay, so. Um... When I interviewed Vivek Tiwari, um, who's, uh, you know, a very, very successful Broadway producer, 25 Tonys, his mm -hmm. last show was Jagged Little Pill. Yep. Um, he wrote um, a graphic novel about Brian Epstein. Right. And, that's and, and he, when he was telling me about his, his interviews for, uh, he originally wrote a thesis about Brian Epstein when he was in business school. And he mentioned the Liverpool Institute for Performing Art, and he mentioned Mark Featherstone Whitty, but very humbly he said, I'm sure he doesn't remember me, and I don't have his contact info. <laughs> so being a journalist, I just I just wrote to the public affairs office at the school, and he said yes. Cool. Amazing. Cool. Nobody said no. Not one person wow. said no. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, you got some good people in here. I mean, uh, well, of course, in this chapter, you do have Charles Rosney. <laughs> um, did you talk to him directly or just through Batya, uh, who's a, a friend of a mutual friend of ours? It, it oh, no, I spoke, I spoke to, I spoke okay. to okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he can't. He's, like, no, he's pretty is so open and friendly and warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And let's see, the next chapter you have like a few different famous people. Uh, uh, you have Lawrence Juber, who was in Wings, and or actually, this one Lawrence was in the book later, but this is really Hope Juber, who's Sherwood Schwartz's daughter and married to Lawrence, <laughs> and she had some interesting stories. Uh, let's see, um, trying to think if there's anything I wrote about it that was anything interesting. Well, the sad part is she said John's death brought her to Lawrence, which is, I guess, kind of bittersweet. You know, well, it's a long story. She was, yeah. I don't want to tell the whole story, but yeah. um, she was very depressed. You know, she was a bit a huge Beatles fan, and uh, she was very depressed when John died, mm-hmm. and was in bed, and you know, wouldn't move. And her mom said, "Why don't you get your hair done?" <laughs> and she thought, "Well, that's kind of ridiculous, but." You know, I'll make my mother happy. And, um, you know, being Sherwood Schwartz's daughter, Sherwood Schwartz um, created Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch. So they lived in Beverly Hills. And uh, so she went to a stylist in Beverly Hills. And he said, you look sad. He said, you know, go for a walk and I'll be with you when you get back. And she went for a walk and bumped into Ringo. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Ringo gave her a pep talk about how work was helping him get through. So it's a it's a long road of connections and, right. and you know, coincidences. But the, the work she was doing with her dad on uh, the Brady Brides led her to Lawrence Schubert. And that was a very good story. Yeah, it is pretty lengthy. So, yes, uh, <laughs> we're, we're reading for that. Some of the longer ones are the most interesting ones. Sometimes, oh, thank you. you. <laughs> Um, next chapter seems to have a lot of people just uh, about marriage proposals, things like that. That was kind of an interesting idea and twist. I didn't even think about that. You know, um, how how did you come across those? That, that doesn't seem like something you get through the normal channels. Or how how did you encounter these people? Well, when Bill, when I was interviewing Bill, and he was telling me about International Beetle Week, he said, you know, a lot of people have have met there and gotten married. And I said, Oh, can you hook me up with them? <laughs> so actually it was Clark. Clark, you know, mm-hmm. Clark did, Clark Gilmore did a lot of work for me. I really appreciated everything he did. And yeah, he he gave me all those contacts. Mm-hmm. Then the next chapter, probably the most famous one is Peter Asher, who's the brother of Jane Asher, who used to go out with Paul. And Peter was part of Peter and Gordon. There's a long history there. People who don't know but the whole chapter seems to be people who are DJs and do radio shows or some some connection with the Beatles that way. Is that correct? Um, was it, you know, I, I'm asking this every time, but is it difficult getting these people to, uh, you know, in your research? Or did you have to go different avenues for each chapter and the different type of... Different avenues for each chapter. But again, it was, you know, the kindest people hooking me up with. So what happened was... Um, you know, I was looking for stories about people that have met a beetle. And I just put out a, a post on one of my Facebook groups. I said, who here has met a beetle? And um, <laughs> yeah. And Darren DeVivo, who's a very popular DJ on a uh, public station in New York, WFUV, which is a station. I lived in New York at the time and I listened to that station all the time. And he chimed in and he says, oh, you know, I've met a couple of Beatles several times and I knew his name, you know, because I listened to him all the time and I just wrote back and I said, Darren, you know, would you be interested in being in the book? And he said, yes. And he has a great story. And then he says, you know, you might want to talk to Dennis Elsis. So Dennis Elsis 
is on WFUV, but he's also a Beatles channel DJ. Mm-hmm. And then Dennis uh, connected me with all the other Beatles channel DJs. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. And then I want to mention Ken Dashow, who does Breakfast with the Beatles. And I don't remember who hooked me up with him. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a connection all these ways yeah. and everything like that. So that's that's a pretty cool story. Um, uh, then the next chapter, you're talking about different Beatles authors. One of them I know pretty well is Kid O'Toole, and she writes for a Beatle fan. And she's written her own book. She has her own podcast and things like that. I've done podcasts with her and things like that. So she's a pretty good friend. So that was through Susan. Mm-hmm. Ryan. Yeah. And yeah, that's probably how I, I, <laughs> that's probably yeah. how I met her. Well, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is through Charles. But um, how Charles and I met is uh, through this Australian uh, podcaster who goes by the name of Plastic EP. So I don't know if you've done his show yet. But uh, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's how I kind of met everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You know, even if I knew I knew Kid O'Toole's name for years because of Beatle fan connection and things like that, you know, but to actually, you know, talk with these people, then I, I invite them on the show. It's like, hey, I do a podcast. Come on my show. And so she's yeah. been on the show and different people like you that. Know, everybody, so. everybody I talked to was just so warm and giving and lo- they love talking about the Beatles. They will talk yeah. for hours. They will tell their stories for hours. Susan actually... Um, I was living on Long Island and she was in Queens and she met me halfway. And after about two hours, I said, you know, I don't want to take up more of your time. Oh, no, no, no. And she just went yeah. on. She's just so great. I should probably get her and her husband on the show. But you yeah, know, yeah. Because yeah. I know them and they were that was a plastic EP connection. too. So they wrote just, a book um, yeah. together with uh, other tour guides. They wrote a book about um, the four Beatles cities, mm. Hamburg, New York, London and um, Liverpool. Okay. Well, I'll definitely approach them. I, I've been doing a lot of Beatles books lately, but I think a lot of it has to do with Charles has been hooking me up. And it just seems like right now there's uh, a wealth of new Beatles books. I mean, in recent episodes, I've interviewed Lori Kay, who did the last interview with John Lennon, and she talks about her life in her book. And Gene Popa did a book. I forget if his is the one about uh, the British invasion you know, I get them mixed up, which ones are which, but I mean, they're all kind of coming out at the same time. So I'm like, <laughs> you know? but uh, let's see. And then like the next chapter, it seems like you have uh, people that are in different tribute bands like the Fab Four, Beatlemania, uh, 1964, things like that. Liverpool um, Shuffle. Don't forget yeah. Liverpool Shuffle. Oh yeah, Liverpool Shuffle. And let's see what else is it? Oh, the Fab Four, I said that. Oh, and they help slovenia tribute band yeah it's it's called it's called help a tribute band oh okay um yeah so that was funny um that was just you know scrolling through a facebook group i'm on i'm on very uh, you know so many beatles facebook groups and uh there was a picture of uh the the lead of the tribute band with paul mccartney and i just wrote to him and i said you know, was that you with Paul McCartney? And he said, oh, that's a great story. And that's how that happened. I just, you know, I just put it out there. and People were just so happy to talk to me. Very cool. And then probably the, the rest of the book is just various stories. You even said they're not categorized very well. It's just, well, this one goes here because we have this. And, and it, like the last ones had some later stories that weren't like encounters back in the 1960s and things like that. But uh, one person stands out is Al Sussman. He's another writer for Beetle fan that I know, things like that. So, 
you know. Um, are you a big fan in that regard to buying all the publications about the Beatles and everything as well? Or uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, in the seventies, you know, when I when I first became a Beatles fan and I was a teenager, I bought every book, and then when I got older, I thought, oh, what else? could they possibly say I know everything? <laughs> and, then, and then when I started talking to these people, I realized there's just so much more. And so now I'm buying the books. Mm -hmm. So um, I always am curious. Uh, obviously, we're probably roughly about the same age. I became a Beatle fan in 1977. And I've, I've said the story on here many times, but I'll say it again. It was I was already a Monty Python fan. And I was already a Saturday Night Live fan. And Eric Idle appeared on Saturday Night Live in 1977 and sang a dreadful version of Here Comes the Sun. <laughs> and uh, I asked my dad, uh, what's the real song sound like? He goes, oh, we have it on the album. It's over there in the bin over there with all the other albums. And so I, I played it and um, I go, oh, Here Comes the Sun. I know this song. I just didn't understand. It didn't make sense when you know Eric Idle was basically yelling it. So, and I said, "I wonder what else is on here." I flipped it over. The first song is "Come Together." And I go, "Oh, I know this song." The next song, something. I know this song, and I didn't know every song, but I knew "Octopus's Garden," and I I knew like half the songs on the album. I go, "This isn't right. You're not supposed to have all these hits on one record. That's the greatest hits <laughs> album." I didn't understand, you know, but. Slowly but surely, I became a Beatle fan about you know that same year. So, what's your story? <laughs> My story. My, you know, I don't have an, an aha moment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan when I was sixteen months old. Yeah. Um, so it was just always you know in my it was always in the background um i remember watching the beatles cartoon with my sisters on saturday morning mm -hmm. um but i you know i wasn't a fan yet i was six years old or something yeah. and then uh you know and we went to see yellow submarine my sisters and i am the youngest and i remember my father <laughs> standing in the doorway going you girls are gonna get a headache from all that color because <laughs> it was still black and white tvs you know Right. Um, and then I don't know when I was 12, it just hit me. It just it hit yeah. me hard. And, you know, yeah. I had one of those bedrooms that was just covered in posters. I had every album, every mag, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, exposed to things like Yellow Submarine when, you know, before that uh, 77 date. But it didn't click for me, to, you know, and it's like I always tell people probably my first exposure to. Beatles at all was uh, Yellow Submarine on Sesame Street in 1969. So, yeah, because I, 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 I heard that version with the Muppets before I ever heard of Ringo's version. Yeah, well, so. you know, I knew uh, Elton John's version of Lucy in the Sky, and I oh, didn't yeah. know it was oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. I, it, this is a side I had a friend who knew Devo's version of Satisfaction before the Rolling Stones. He said, I didn't even know that. <laughs> that one actually made me laugh because I didn't know the Rolling Stones version. <laughs> it's like, what a different version. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, was it your plan? I mean, obviously you're a journalist. I, I assume you're still a journalist in, in your waking hours, whatever, your alternate life, whatever. Um, was it in your plans to do a book period or like these Beatles stories just started flowing together and you said oh I'll, I'll do a Beatle book or you're just planning to do any book at some point well it was funny you know I 
I tend to buy a lot of books on writing and um, I got another book on writing in the mail and my daughter said to me, mom, you know so much about writing and you should write a book. And I said, I need to write a book about the Beatles. And I said, you know what? And then, and then I thought of the fans and the funniest thing is she does not remember that conversation. (laughs) That's, that's what started. it. Yeah. And at this point, do you think you'll do another one or a book on a totally different subject? What do you have? Yeah. You know, plastic had a great idea and I've started interviewing a couple of people to do a book about Beatles collectors and he's got a uh, podcast about Beatles collectors. So, you know, he's in the process of getting me on my way with that. Yeah. Well, even in this book, you have a, a couple super collectors. So I'm right. su- sure that they could give more expanded stories if you interview them again and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought a really great way, and I just thought of this yesterday, was, um, you know, combing um, um, Beatles auctions, you know, and talking to the people that run the auctions. Yeah. And, and you know, what what the biggest uh price they got was and what the item was and you know and then talk to the people who bought it right um there's one guy i don't know if you listen to podcasts or uh view youtube channels or uh there's this guy named anthony i think his name is anthony milner or something like that and he's for parlogram auctions and he's he's all over youtube he does these um just videos about like every beatles thing but he does get pretty in-depth about the collector mentality oh. about things. Uh, he's a British man, but he's based in Austria because that's where the company he works for is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, obviously he's European, but I'm sure it's easy through a connection like this. You can get in contact with him. But, you know, I'd recommend him. <laughs> you know, yeah, great, others, thank you. you know. I'm uh, on it. um but you know there's so many collectors out there i could just say you know look all over the place there's always somebody collecting people um i've had to pare down my collection i still have like all the albums and all the cds and everything like that and uh but you know we were talking about books a little bit earlier you know i can't keep every book that has ever been published by the beatles so somewhere along the line i just had to pare it down and i said i can only keep like anything by Mark Lewis, and I'm keeping. You know, anything by um, Bruce Spicer, I'm keeping. Um, anything that's written by an actual Beatle, I'm keeping. You know, and then beyond that, it has to be something about the book that'll make me keep it and say, "Oh, I gotta, you know, you know keep." What this would you? What group. would make you keep a book? Uh, basically, the information in it. Um, like strangely enough, a lot of the books I've gotten rid of over the years are just the general picture books or the ones that don't have a lot of information because after a while you can only look at pictures so many times and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> I'm a guy there. Yeah. Know. It's, like, yeah. it's like, Oh, Paul, you know, I guess yeah, I the, the pictures crazy, draw you know? me yeah. in. I'm a yeah. George girl. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm a Paul girl, but uh, yeah, you know, what no, the pictures yeah. draw me. Yeah, and um, they do to an extent, but you know, it's just the thing of paring it all down. It has to have some information with it, not just picture, picture. It drives me nuts if it's like a a, a big pic- picture book and then it does have information and it's incorrect information. That drives me bananas. So if, if there's a book that I will get rid of pretty quickly, it'll be something like that. <laughs> You know, unless it's something that was published like 40, 50, 60 years ago where they didn't know right. the correct information. I'm not going to be that picky if it's, you know, 
Um, but I'm talking about books published like in the last 10 or 15 years because there's still things out there, you know, like the Paul is dead, hoax is real, you know. Uh, no, I, I don't want stuff like that in my collection, you know. Or, you know, exaggerated ones, I think is Albert Goldman and, you know, who wrote like an exaggerated thing on Lenin saying, you know, you know, there's enough weirdness in Lenin's life without making it up, I would think. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, that's just my opinion about it. So, um, Have you been so, to New York? I've been yeah. to New York a few times. Um, have you I've been, been to the Dakota? I have. Um, and to the Imagine Circle that's like across the street. I've never been on any official tour, but I, uh, when I was there in the vicinity of the Dakota, I overheard, you know, a Beatles tour in progress, so I kind of eavesdropped. And they go, here is where John Lennon lived with Yoko Ono, when they're making double fantasy, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Kind of, you know, I've read, yeah. I've read, and then read that it's not true that she's finally moving out of the Dakota. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, I read this uh, since that because, yeah, that was the original story that was kind of put out there. Um, that uh, I don't know if this was when John was alive, but uh, they apparently own more than the apartment they live in, mm -hmm. and I think that's what she's selling off is the other ones that she doesn't live in but it got convoluted that she's selling off where they're living and da, 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 da. you know i think stay or yeah yeah i i think she's gonna stay there till the end you know it's like now whether i don't know i guess sean lives there still or does he lives somewhere else I, that i don't know you know but um you know it's it's you know a multi-apartment apartment, apartment uh, complex that they have it was never just like one one bedroom yeah. apartment you know yeah. i think they own like the whole floor or something like that so um i would think it would be just like with friar park it would just stay in the family unless times got tough or there was just some serious reason i don't know why anybody would ever sell friar park or anything like that unless you know but i wonder maybe their apartment in the dakota would become a museum like their childhood homes in liverpool it's possible you know, yeah i mean I think Friar Park definitely would if if Olivia decided to sell, but I I don't see that happening. Um, you know, so uh, but who knows? Stranger things have happened, but it'd be kind of a shame if it was just kind of thrown out there and you know nothing happened with it. But, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, let's see what other things can I ask about? Um, so are you a collector yourself? Because you said you're going to interview collectors, or you just like the music and the guys. <laughs> You know, I, I, I move too much. <laughs> to <me as> well. <laughs> that's a good answer. I you yeah. know, I have I have boxes of pictures of my kids and that's about all I can handle. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I mean not everyone's a Beatles collector in the same way, you know. Uh, you know, it's like um my co author, we I did a couple of monkeys books with Michael Ventrella and he used to have a big vast Beatles collection, but with the advent of streaming and, you know, Spotify and things like that. He just says, I get everything on my hard drive and, you know, through streaming. And I go, he goes, I don't care about the packaging and all that stuff. Whereas me, I love the packaging. So mm. like Ringo's going to have a new EP out. I'm getting the, the EP 10 inch record and I'm getting the CD single because that's what I like. You know? <laughs> Ringo's on tour now and I'm actually seeing him in West Virginia 
on um, October 9th because I just moved to um, Maryland from New York. And, you know, West Virginia in my head is, you know, where the heck is West Virginia? But it's only now <laughs> from where I live. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited about that. Well, I hope he does well. I don't know if you saw the news today. Uh, he tripped when he came on stage in New Mexico, but he looks like he's all right. So They said he jumped yeah. right back up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw the film. Yeah, he did. You well, know, but still, it. yeah. Um, it, it was probably like a slippery spot, but you know, he is 83 years old. So they're like, no. no. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, I saw but, the headline and my yeah. heart dropped, but you yeah. know, then I, and I said he jumped back up. Right. But I, I did see Ringo in June. I've seen him a few times, but um, the funny thing that I've told people, I was out on the grass way in the back. Uh, I live in Eugene, Oregon, or actually mm. Springfield. The concert was in Eugene. Um, and at the end of the concert, Ringo's uh, doing jumping jacks on stage and everything like that. And meanwhile, around me, uh, I can get up fine off the grass. But there's a lot of people that need serious help. They could not get up from the grass. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, when this I was guy's talking in to Peter Asher, shape. we were talking about that. When I was talking to Peter Asher, I said, you know, Paul and Ringo are in amazing shape. And he said, yeah, that should be an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think about that. I mean, my dad's still around too. He's eighty-five, so he's older than them, and he's do, he's still traveling. He he's on a trip right now, going to all five Great Lakes, and I keep getting pictures sent back to me. And you know, he's all like this, grinning and everything amazing. like that. That's it's like amazing. keep it up, Dad. You know, <laughs> it's like so you've got good genes. Yeah. So I was figuring if he can go, I can do it. You know, it's you like, can, you yeah, can. So, yeah. And it's the same thing with Paul and Ringo. I mean, I know some. Musical artists—they just want to throw in the towel after a while. It's not—it's not for everybody to keep touring. I mean, even in your twenties and thirties, I think it's a long slog to go touring. You know, yeah. so when you're doing it in your sixties, seventies, eighties, and beyond, it's like wow. You know, it's like not everybody could do that. So, and the energy on stage—you know, Ringo runs and jumping jacks, and yeah, he's amazing. And you know, Paul sings for three hours. I think I saw him take a drink of water that, that was the first time i ever saw that ever. in 30 years no. <laughs> uh, i think i've seen him take a drink of water i'm trying to think it, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, um first time i saw paul was 89 me too and, yeah and um i that time i did hop a plane because i was living in california but northern california at the time and i didn't know if he was going to tour again and he was only playing in L.A., so I have to play in L.A. and saw. We were on. We were at. Was it only one night? I don't remember, but we might have um, been at the same show. Maybe. Well, the the show I saw. This is this will determine it. Uh, Stevie Wonder appeared at the end, and they sang "Ebony and Ivory." So don't remember that, but okay, you know, you don't I was remember that. A, I was in such a Paul McCartney euphoric stage. It's the first time I ever saw him, but it was in L.A. I was living yeah. in L.A. I think he did. It was at the Forum. I think he did more than one show. I think he did four nights. But okay. the, night, the night I saw him, Stevie Wonder was in the audience, and I actually spied him uh, with my ex-wife uh, from years ago. Anyway, uh, but, you know, I was looking through the binoculars, and I'm like, look, it's Stevie Wonder. And she goes, yeah, it is. And I didn't think Paul would call him on stage, but he did, you know, and they sang Ebony and Ivory. And as far as I know, that's the only time they've ever sang it live, ever, you know, so. Yeah, uh, that's you know. amazing. You know, I was lucky I saw Paul McCartney at Dodger Stadium in 19 when Ringo came on. Mm, so that cool. was amazing. And that was a gift from uh, 
a cousin of mine who's in the music industry. So that's a huge thank you to him. Yeah, because I got to see the soundtrack for the first time and then, you know, the show close up. So that was amazing. And then, of course, Paul did swing around again and he ended up in Berkeley, which is in Northern California. So I saw him again. Oh, <laughs> and then I, I saw Paul a couple of times over the years. I think the last time I saw Paul was like 2005. And I could still see him. I keep, you know, following the tours and everything. But it's like, you know, he he gets so expensive. You know? yeah, so, it's really he, expensive. It yeah. Is. And but, you know, it's just, you know, how much longer can he do it? So. Yeah. So I have my memories. Maybe I'll see him one more time. But I wasn't planning to see Ringo this last time. I had already seen him five times. But yeah. my, my current wife, she says, I've never seen Ringo. Let's go see him. Now, yeah. he was a little more fairly priced, I think. <laughs> and so, you know, I said, well, I can afford this. So, you know, and so we went. And it turned out to be great because, you know, um, so if I did see Paul again, you know, it'd probably be great. You know, it's just that you're just saying, ah, I've been there, done that, you know. But it's it's nice to see somebody that you've seen before after some time and go, hey, they're still doing it. They're still up there. You know, <laughs> peace and love. You know, it's a stuff. different show every time. And yeah, yeah. Paul, you know, mm-hmm. nothing beats it. Well, Paul and Ringo, nothing beats yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And Ringo, it's such a fun show, you know, with the all-star band and and it's different people all the time and they all do their songs. Yeah. And what was good about this, if you're seeing him uh, this tour, um, he finally, finally, finally does Octopus's Garden concert. And there's one other song he does. Well, he did Back Off Boogaloo, which he hadn't done in a long time. There's something else they there's something else he did in concert that he hadn't done in a long time either or ever, but Octopus's Garden was the main one, you know, and I was like, you know right. what I wish he would yeah. do? Do you remember the No-No song? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, I wish he would. Yeah, that's a fun song. He has done that one before, but, you know, way back. I, I, mm-hmm. I think he, he finally at least switches around, you know, a few different things because there's a, a while there he's getting a little stale too where he's doing like the same five hits it seemed like and it's like, come on Ringo, you got yeah. 20 albums, you could throw on a rare one somewhere along the line <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they are kind of expanding out. There, there's a few more surprises on this tour which I won't spoil for you, to, but Octopus's Garden was the main one that was like, all right, you know, because he used to say on interviews, he says, well, if I'm doing okay, if I'm doing Yellow Submarine, I don't want to do Octopus's Garden. And I go, why not? You wrote that not... song. You know? <laughs> You're know, you not proud he of your own He wrote it with word. George. George helped yeah. him. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't write Yellow Submarine at all. You'd think he'd right. want to favor his own work just to kind of show, hey, I, I worked on that. I wrote this, you know, but, you know, I get it, you know. But I think he's finally come around. I think the band trying to probably pressured him saying come on it's your song yeah. <laughs> okay i'll do it you know? <laughs> I'm sure i like that's... your i like your impression <laughs> <laughs> it probably isn't too far from the truth like, you guys see ringo do okay you know okay I, I bet he's stubborn in certain ways which you know he's a beetle he can be but you know i'm sure in other ways if he has enough people saying you know come on you gotta do I'm the greatest, let's say, okay, I'll do it. You know, it's like, because I'm sure they sit down every time they do another tour and they say, all right, which ones are we doing this time, you know? And, you know. It was a lot of fun for me. This is off topic, but, um, you know, when my kids were little, we would watch Thomas the Tank Engine because oh, he, yeah. was the, he was the voice. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I used to watch that too. I even watched it when it turned to George Carlin <laughs> <laughs> years later. So you know, um, you know, I've always uh, been a, a Ringo supporter. You know, a lot of people they're like, you know, oh, you know, Ringo he puts out garbage, and it's like he's only the Ringo album. No, I keep supporting him. It's like to me. Huh? If you're turning out new material, you know, it's, sometimes his music sounds kind of the same. I get it, you know, but occasionally he'll put out a good one, and I just like to continue to support his work as long as he'll do it. So, yeah. But and just the of- fact that he's still performing at his age, and he, you know, he's still putting so much energy into into bringing you know happiness into the world. You know, his whole thing on his birthday. You know, peace and love at noon oh, yeah. on his birthday. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and he—they seem to like. I, I say this about Paul and Ringo. I see they—they they seem to be in better shape than Sinatra was at that age, you know. And uh, like Tony Bennett was doing it until his early nineties, but you know he was starting to lose it there. So hopefully Paul and Ringo will keep sharp minds and keep going for a while. <laughs> you know, we'll see. <laughs> That's so, scary. Their ages are scary. You know? I know. I try not to think about it, but you know, it's like is. I think as long as they feel youthful and continue the enthusiasm, I mean, that's how, you know, Jagger and Rolling Stones keep doing it and all those guys, you know, so, you know, it's possible for anybody. You still see pictures of Paul standing on his head. Yeah. <laughs> so Crazy. Yeah. I can't even stand on my head, even when I was a kid, you know. No. So, yeah. Uh, but some people have, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, flexibility, you know, good sense of balance and things like that. Not me. So it's like, you know, but more power to them, you know. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you know, I try to, to you know, at least try to eat right, try to exercise a little bit, you know, try to keep moving, you know, try to stay youthful best I can. You know. Is that your dad's gene? Yeah, hopefully. Crossing fingers. Yeah. Anyway, um, Let's see who who is the publisher on your book. I didn't even ask that. Uh, McFarland Pub- McFarland and Company Income McFarland and Company Incorporated. That's right, McFarland. That's, <laughs> that's right. They sent me a copy of it, but I had forgotten that. Okay, and uh, you know, I guess we could kind of start wrapping it up. Um, you know, basically, uh, unless there's something else you'd like to say about the Beatles, but it's like, um, where can people get this book? Uh, say the title one more time uh and if you're doing any personal appearances or anything you know it's behind me you might have to hold it oh okay it's behind you where do i hold it yeah you can hold yeah right in front of you yeah it shows up there so so. it's beatlemania lives on super fans in the 21st century and you can get it anywhere online you can get it on amazon uh thrift books you know the best deal is probably amazon and it's on um the mcfarland site as well but it's on books a million thrift books, um, all the book, all the book sites. Okay. And are you doing any sort of signings or personal appearances in the next few months? Um, I will be at the Fest for Beetle Fans in New York in February, okay. and there's an event called um, Beetles on the Beach in in Florida in January. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This will definitely be uploaded before that. So, you know, uh, <laughs> if you want to get a book and have Dana sign it, <laughs> this is your opportunity. Or you'll probably have copies of the book there, too, right? Yes, I will. Out. But, yeah. you know, I can only carry so many. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to bring a book, that's fine. 
and any any plans for any tours to England again or anything like that in your future? Um, well, I'm hoping um, I'm hoping to get to International Beetle Fest um, Beetle Week in Liverpool next August. Okay, because yeah, that's when my tour is with uh, Charles. Yeah, crossing fingers. Yeah, yeah. Charles <laughs> actually has a table there where he yeah. sells his book to, um, Top Ten Beetle Lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have a table somewhere nearby. Very good. Um, I don't know if I'll bring any of my books. I mean, I could bring a, my monkey's books, and I I did do a Beatles book, but it's it's so old I don't even promote it anymore. But what, it's, what's your Beatles book? My Beatles book is called Mark Arnold Picks on the Beatles, and it's a self published thing I did about twelve years ago. It was like the second or third book I ever wrote, and it was just my reviews of all the Beatles songs, uh, group and solo and everything like that, and I basically. You know, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek work, and uh, I got people in lieu of using a lot of photographs or something that might be copyrighted. I I got friends of mine and just people I didn't even know, but mainly friends, uh, to contribute various pieces of artwork. You know, you could draw one beetle or all the beetles or whatever. And so there's like cartoony drawings, there's very realistic drawings. I put a, my own drawing in there because I can draw. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, a fun thing. Um, the front cover, I I could run over and get it, but um, Bill Morrison, who's a longtime friend who worked on The Simpsons and things like that, TV show, um, he was working on this Yellow Submarine uh, adaptation for Dark Horse Comics. And uh, for some reason, at the time, they killed it. The Beatles killed it and said, yeah, we don't want to put this out. And so he had all this artwork just unpublished that was beautiful. It looks just like the artwork in the film. Uh-huh. And so he says, here, use some of it. And so I put one of them on the cover and I put oh. various pieces inside. Years later, <laughs> Titan Books took it over from Dark Horse and they published it. It's still available. It's a Yellow Submarine adaptation in a nice graphic novel hardback. And they used some of the artwork that I had put in my book already. <laughs> it was all it was all right. You know, it's like I got to publish it first. So there you go. <laughs> you got the course, debut. But my book's only in black and white. So if you want to see it all in nice color and rich. Uh, put down your book. I'm sure you put a lot of work into it. I, it's just I, I I always see it now as kind of dated. Maybe I should update it, and then I'll like it better again. <laughs> yeah, yeah you it should only, be proud it, of it. You know, it only goes to twenty eleven. So many, you know? pe- so many people, you know, have the intention of of writing a book and they never finish it. So you should be proud that you did it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I I, I think I don't think highly of it just because I self published it, unlike my other books, which were through Bear Manor and different publishers. So yeah, you know. So yes, I won't badmouth it anymore done yeah there you go to your, <laughs> to your own horn you, you finished a book and it's beautiful and there, yeah all right well since you are uh planning to be in england and liverpool that uh next summer in august hopefully i'll meet up with you in person and you know i'll definitely Char- be with charles, charles i'm sure will introduce us yes He'll probably get us all to take photo together and everything. Exactly. Yeah. He seems to take a photo with everyone. I was, I was I was looking at different photos he's posted, and some are old and some are current. I go, is there a person on this planet he has not taken a photo with yet? Except me. But 
mine's, he's com- met mine's so coming incre- next summer. You know? Yeah, he's met so many incredible people. You know, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing to me. It's like he'll just pop up a photo, like he popped up one uh, I saw today of him with Cynthia Lennon. It's like, mm. oh wow, you know. And it's I like, know. Yeah, oh yeah, we were pretty close, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it's just never thought about it, you know, all the different people he's met over the years, so, you know. So I'm thinking I'll bring my book and throw it on stage to Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? I get Ringo's <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, well, it was fun talking with you, and you know, um, I usually upload these a few weeks in advance. Uh, I mean, we record them a few weeks in advance, so this will probably be up sometime in October. But uh, you know, it's plenty of time for the Christmas rush for sales, and uh, if you'd like to see Dana Klausner uh at the various venues she said or next august in liverpool or england uh you know she's uh making the rounds with her book which again is called beatlemania lives on super fans in the 21st century and right? i just want to say a fan wrote a review and it's it's the perfect log line for the book it says every beatles fan dream every beatles fan's dream is to meet a beetle and this book tells the story of those who did. Very good. All right. Well, again, thank you again, Dana, for being my special guest. And this is Mark Arnold for another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Dana Klausner, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 233 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.